Amen. Matthew 25, we find the Lord Jesus Christ is continuing in what is known as the Mount Olivet Discourses. These discourses began in Matthew 24 and verse 3. Whenever the disciples came and they asked the Lord in regards to His second coming, they knew there would be a time that the Lord would have to leave. But they longed and they looked forward to the time when He would return once again. And so throughout Matthew 24, the Lord will explain to them and bring to them the great doctrine of the second coming or the doctrine of the last times. Whenever the Lord will show what will happen before He ever returns to this earth. You have revealed to us that there will be times of earthquakes. There will be times of famines. There will be times of pestilences. Of how there will be even false prophets deceiving the world. Seeking to take away the children of God from that which they know. And that which they love. And as chapter 25 commences. Christ presents to the disciples a parable. A parable of a wedding feast. A parable of a time of great excitement, of great celebration. A wedding, of course, is a very happy time unless you're the father of the bride. If you're the father of the bride, you're in for a very hard couple of days, if not a couple of weeks. And weddings in Israel were very different to that which we know today. Weddings and wedding feasts would go on for days. And there would be a part in it where the groom would leave his home And would come to the family or come to the house of the bride. And all of his friends would come with him as the supporters. And at the bride's house the bride would be gathered together with her friends and with her people and with her family. Whenever the groom was coming up the road the sign would be given to all. The exclamation would come forth, the groom is coming. And so they would all go out to light the way. They would go out with their lamps. They would bring and usher the groom to his bride. And then the groom would take his bride and would bring his bride to his house. And then the celebration would commence as the bride and groom were brought together. Very different from what we know. But very special and even what we can see from this is the great joy that there is to be had in the second coming of the Lord. As the great bridegroom will come for his bride the great joy that there ought to be within the church of Christ as they wait for the bridegroom to come. The great expectation. Christ uses this illustration, this parable, to drive home that message to the disciples and indeed to all of us of the importance of being ready. Of being ready for the second coming of Christ. Of being ready for heaven. Of knowing that you know the bridegroom personally. Of having that assurance of sins forgiven. Of having that assurance that you're clothed in the garments of salvation. Of having that assurance that you are part of the bride of Christ. And that he will come for you. That he will take you home. If you're not ready for heaven... And I trust you'll see through this passage you'll be rejected to hell. You don't get to stay behind have the world as it were to yourself. You'll be in one of two places. It's either heaven or hell. 
As I said, I want to look at this passage throughout the day, both morning and evening. This morning, we're going to cover the first point, verses 1 to 4. When do you see the characters described? The characters described. In verse 1, it tells us of how that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins, which they took their lamps and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. And five were foolish. It's interesting, whenever you're introduced to these ten virgins, all ten of them, really you can say, look alike. Ten virgins are assembled together in the one place. They have come with that understanding. They have come with the desire even to be there. The only difference that's presented to us is five are wise and five are foolish. Nothing else is different at all. They come together, they sit together, they wait together. But five are wise and five are foolish. What you really have in the ten virgins is a picture of the visible church of Christ. In other words, what we have here this morning. All of the wise and all of the foolish, they're gathered together. In other words, those that are saved and amongst us may be those that are unsaved. And there's that understanding. If you've been brought up in a church or you know anything in relation to the Scriptures, you'll know there's a God in heaven. You'll know there's a Son of God who came to this earth to die. He rose again. He went up again to heaven, but He's promised to return. And so in a sense, we gather this morning, one, to rejoice that Christ is alive, two, to worship, and three, of course, if you're saved, you should have an expectant heart that Christ is coming again. Saved and unsaved can gather to church. Saved and unsaved can appear in the same dress, as it were. I can look down this morning and everyone's relatively the same. Ladies are dressed, men are dressed, everyone's dressed. We're all gathered together in the one place. All ten of the virgins carried lamps. I guarantee many, if not all, this morning have came with a lamp in their hand. The Word of God. Saved and unsaved have copies of the Scriptures. They have that which is the lamp onto the feet, the light onto the path. They have it in their hands. They may be even open now, I trust, before you on your lap or in your hands. You have a copy of the Scriptures. You have a lamp in your hand. And the visible church today, within its ranks, have the wise and the foolish. Those that are wise unto salvation. Those that have prepared properly. Those that have oil. In other words, those that have the Holy Spirit within them, the anointing of God upon them. Those that have been regenerated and brought into the family of God, they have the oil. And yet, amongst us, there may be those that are not wise unto salvation. They have the clothing, but they don't have the anointing. Oil in Scripture speaks, as I said, of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1 and 9, 1 John 2 and 20, 1 John 2, 27. The wise virgins, as they came to the place, as they came to that 
meeting point and they're waiting and they're looking and they're watching and they have the oil with them. All ten of lamps, but the five wise, they have oil. But not the foolish. You know, it's remarkable when you think of it. These ten were together for a long time. A long time. The bridegroom tarried. And yet never once did the five foolish virgins look at the wise and think to themselves, they have something we don't have. We've all got lamps, yes, but they've got something extra. They have something with them we don't have. They've oil. Why did the foolish never ask the wise, why have you got oil? Why did it never speak to them and think, we're missing something? We haven't got what they have. Never once did they exercise themselves to go and get oil. They just kept sitting on. The five wives are sitting on. They have their lamps. They have their oil. The five foolish are just sitting with lamps. Never once did they look and think, I need to go and get what they have. So much time and opportunity. But the five foolish just sat there in the company of the wise. Seemingly unconcerned of the key difference between the two groups. You know, it's sad, but that's the reality in the church of Christ today, in the visible church. It's been the same for decades. Unsaved will come to a church along with saved every week. And sadly, there are many that think that because they have a lamp, or because they associate themselves with Christians, Somehow that's, that's enough. They'll be okay. I can take you to individuals in this area, right across this land, that believe going to church is enough. Going there once on a Sunday is enough. Having a Bible in the home, never opened it, but having a Bible in the home is enough. To send a few prayers at night's enough. Or just being associated with Christians is enough. Just having a mom or a dad, a granny or a granda, just that they're saved, that's enough. Or just having a neighbor. Lady I used to live beside, it was comical in one way. The Mormons came round the door one day. They came to her door and she goes, No, 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 don't worry. The man next to me, if I need anything, I'll go to him. She thought, I have a neighbor that's saved. That's enough. They have lamps, but there's no Holy Spirit within them. There's no oil. There's no evidence of grace. They know the bridegroom's coming. They know Christ will return. But they don't do anything to get ready. It's an awful reality. It's an awful place to be. 
That's you this morning that you're thinking to yourself, I just come to church. I'm pleasing mom. I'm pleasing dad. I'm just here ticking the box and I'm saying, right, this is enough. I'm just here and I am associated with this church. I'm associated with Christians. Association is not salvation. You're not saved by association. No, if that's you this morning, let me pray plead with you. Realize where you are spiritually. Realize the danger you're in. But there's another aspect that's shown to us. Verse 5. They're sleeping. It tells us, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. You notice the words there? They all slumbered, slept. The wise slumbered and slept. And the foolish. The longer the bridegroom tarried, the more lethargic they became. Began with the slumbering. You know that when you can't keep your eyes open, the head starts to nod. The eyes become heavy and you're doing your best and maybe you shake yourself up and you open your eyes as wide as you can. Maybe give yourself a wee slap around the face. And then the head droops again and droops again and then you're, oh, you're just gone. You're down in a deep sleep. You fought it for as long as you could but then just you give up and you give in. No longer are you aware of anything around you. No longer are you picking up any sounds around you or any movement around you. Now you're gone. You're unconscious as it were. You're fast asleep. We read here that it's both the wise and the foolish. Even though they were the right place, They were there where they were supposed to be. They were on the road. They were waiting for the coming groom. They knew the road that the groom would come down. They knew the groom was going to come. Eventually, though he tarried, he was going to come. And instead of having their eyes peeled down that road, they instead, what are they doing? They're nodding off. And they're sleeping. That great and grand moment the groom had come to bring his bride home yet they're sleeping. I'm sure when they first arrived at that meeting place I'm sure when all ten got together I'm sure at the very start there was much excitement. There was much happiness. Oh, isn't it going to be wonderful? The groom's going to come. Oh, I can't wait for the groom to come. What a moment it's going to be. He's going to come to the door and he's just going to take his bride and he's going to bring her back. Oh, I can't wait just for the wedding feast. My, what a time. And an hour or two goes past. The excitement starts to dwindle. A couple of more hours pass and not very many happy faces left. 
couple of more hours pass and suddenly the eyes are heavy and the heads are nodding. Instead of excitement, it's apathy. There's an indifference has come in until all are asleep. It's sad to see that in a church, isn't it? Children of God who were once enthusiastic and excited with the return of Christ, now slumbering. Once they burned brightly, once there was an expectation, once there was prayers going up in the prayer meeting, Lord, come back, come quickly. Lord, we can't wait for your return. Lord, we long for the day when you'll come down through the clouds. The last trump will sound and Christ will descend with a great shout. Lord, what a day that will be. But now it's, it's not mentioned. No one prays for the return of Christ. Once there was fire in their bellies, The oil of the Holy Spirit was evident, but no longer. Christians who once were in the prayer meeting every week praying, then bit by bit they started to slumber as it were. They stopped praying in the prayer meeting, then their attendance started to go down, and then they just disappeared altogether. Once they were in fire. And now they're gone. No, once the church of Christ as a whole was so excited with the return of Christ, the coming of the bridegroom for his bride was something that motivated the church. And you see that in Scripture. Because you go to the book of Revelation, the revealing of all of the last times and all that will come, and the revelation of what heaven will be like, and the revelation of the Son of God coming down, and the revelation of what the end for the devil is, and the revelation for all of the wicked being cast into the lake of fire, and all of the children of God being with Christ forever. And what's the very last words of Scripture? Even so, Lord, come quickly. Lord, we want it. We can't wait for it. But the bridegroom is tarried. The coming again of the Son of God we're still waiting for. And the excitement's gone. Even the interest amongst God's people, sadly, is gone. And the slumbering and the sleeping has commenced. Surely the words of Isaiah 52 and 1 must be proclaimed to the church of Christ in this day. So Isaiah 52 verse 1, it says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. In other words, waken up. Church of Christ, stop being so down in the dirt and the dumps because of what the world is happening. All of the anger, the attack of the devil. Christ's on the throne. He's coming back. 
But you think of these ten virgins, all ten of them asleep, wise and foolish. Certainly a poor testimony upon the wise. But my, do you see the repercussions that it had upon the foolish? You see, as the bridegroom tarried, the wise ought to have been filled with excitement continuously. The enthusiasm for the coming of the bridegroom ought to have been there. And even when the foolish sat down with them and the five foolish were gathered with the wise, the wise ought to have been taking the opportunity to speak to them, to just keep reinforcing it. Isn't it wonderful? Christ is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Isn't it so exciting? The bride is going to be taken home. The wise ought to have been taking the opportunity. Where's your oil? We've oil with us. Where's your oil? Go and get your oil quickly. Quick, while the shops are open, the bridegroom hasn't come yet. Now you must go. Hurry. You have an opportunity. The groom hasn't left yet. The groom hasn't arrived yet. Go and get your oil. You need oil. But the wise slept. They didn't reach out. They didn't speak. They didn't warn. They slept. You know, the church today has a great duty to reach out. Christ told his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You're to reach out. You're to be awake. And you're to be warning. You're to be encouraging the individuals, the unwise, the, those that are still in their sins. You're to be encouraging them. You need to be saved. This is the opportunity. This is the chance that you have. This is the day of grace that the Lord has given to us. The Lord is still tarrying. Salvation is still possible. Go and get your oil. Those that come amongst us and we thank God for unsaved gathering in, but they must be warned. They must be encouraged. They must be exhorted. That starts even with children in the children's work. That starts with young people. As you're warning them, it's not simply enough just to tick the box and to get the attendance. Attendance isn't enough. Association's not enough. It must be acceptance. Acceptance of sin. Acceptance of, as Christ as a Savior. An acceptance of His way of salvation. My, of those five wise had have been awake. You think of it even as it came to midnight. Of course, as the night continues on, it gets darker and it gets darker. And if the five wise had have been awake, they could have saw their light was going down. But they were sleeping. 
Younger people, of course, probably wouldn't know this, but what happens with a candle or the old tilly lamps as the oil, as the wax goes down, the light decreases. What once filled a whole room with light, now it's just a little flicker, just a little shadow of a light as it were in a corner. The five wise didn't realize no longer were they burning brightly. No longer were their lamps as strong as they once were. The darkness has come in around them, but yet they're not making and motivating themselves and moving to adjust and to fix and to trim their lamps. But then with that great shout, Christ is coming, the groom is coming. Then suddenly they're startled, they're awakened, and they realize our lamps are barely lit. Barely there at all. couldn't even look to themselves and they couldn't look to those that needed them around them. Because five foolish lamps were now out. And they had no oil. Church of Christ, do you see how imperative it is to be awake? be busy how we need to be awake we need to be alert to the needs of those around us we need to be alert to the spiritual needs of those who gather with us just because they sit together with the redeemed does not make them redeemed Salvation is of the Lord. It's by grace through faith. You cannot be saved in your own terms. The preparation must be made and it must be right. There's only one way of salvation. There's not many ways. There's one. There's only one way to have the oil of the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to have the light of salvation. It's Jesus Christ. The unsaved need to be awakened to that reality of their folly. The saved need to be awakened to sound the alarm. The bridegroom will only tarry for so long. Christ is coming. He promised it. His angels promised it. He's promised in the final words of Revelation. We don't know why Christ tarries. We don't know for how much longer he will tarry. We don't know how close to midnight we are. There's many different individuals will give their opinion on how close to the midnight strike that we truly are, but we don't know the time. 
Child of God, let me leave this with you. We cannot sleep. The world cannot afford for the church of Christ to be sleeping. The unsaved of our family circles, of our community, of our friends, the neighbors cannot afford for the wise to be sleeping. We need to awaken. We need to be alert. We need to be excited. So often we get down. Listen to the news. See the changes in the laws. We see all that happens and takes place. So often we just get discouraged. Remember, child of God, Christ is coming. And Christ is already one. And we have an assurance from Christ himself that he is victorious. And he will cast the devil into the lake of fire because we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. So don't be sleeping. Be awake. Be alert. Be warning those that are amongst us. The bridegroom cometh. May we shine forth the light of the gospel. Wherever we can, whenever we can. Until the Lord returns. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow before Thee. We thank Thee, O God, for Thy precious Word. Even the warning that's revealed in it. O God, may we as Thy people not be sleeping. But rather, may there be an excitement and enthusiasm that burns within us. Both for the coming of the bridegroom and also in seeking to have others prepared to meet their God. Write thy word upon our hearts. O Father, that thou wilt stir within us. We pray for any that be amongst us today unsaved. O God, open their eyes to their great need of salvation. Open their hearts. Lord, bless those that will leave us now. Tarry with us as we continue around the table. Lord, we pray that thou wilt be very near and very precious unto us. Bring us again tonight, O God. Bring others with us. Bring on saved in. Give us a blessed night in thy house. In Jesus' name. Amen. We sing together the words of 657. As we prepare ourselves for the Lord's table. 657, keen of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. After the first verse, I'll go to the door for the...